Good morning. For today's scripture reading, I will be reading Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 to 15. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, and it's in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that passage that Jacob just read, Moses was standing before Israel, and he was presenting them with the reality that it was time to choose. He was speaking to the people of Israel as a different people than who they were when they had left Egypt 40 years earlier, literally. Because that generation that had been slaves in Egypt, that had come through the Red Sea, they had all died off. And that's actually a big part of the points of the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. It's a series of sermons by God's servant Moses reminding the people of Israel of God's purposes for and promises to them. It was a reminder of all that God had already done to fulfill those purposes and promises for them. It was a reminder of what God expected of them if they were really going to be his people. Verse 16 of Deuteronomy 30 actually summarizes that up nice as loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules. Now at that point, everyone in Israel knew everything that they needed to know. Now, it was just a question of whether or not they would do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Therefore, Moses urged them, choose life. This was one of Moses' final challenges to the people because soon he'd be gone. He'd be gone and Joshua would lead in his place. And while he'd been Moses' assistant serving with him for years, Joshua was a different leader. And that was okay because as Joshua took the lead, they were a different people. The work that God had for them to do was a different sort of work. The challenges that that work would bring would be different than the challenges that they had faced during Moses' day. Because now it was finally time for them to leave the wilderness and enter that land of promise, which is what happened in the Old Testament book of Joshua. This is a book where we get to see walls crumble, as even some of the Canaanites put their faith in God. It's also a book where we see God's people faced with times of defeat, times where they had every earthly advantage going for them. 
But because of sin in the camp, they suffered losses until they took the painful steps that were necessary to rectify that. Yet by the end of it all, God's promise was kept. Israel had taken possession of the land that God had promised them. And by Joshua chapter 24, like Moses before him, it was now Joshua's time to say goodbye. And in Joshua 24, beginning with the first verse, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then battle, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites, it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruits of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not you know, this may have been 3,400 years ago, but Joshua sure does teach us a lot about what good leadership looks like. Because the first thing that we see from him here is that it's not about you. It's not even primarily about those who you lead, whether for you that's a family that you have influence of, employees that you supervise. 
Maybe it's students in your classrooms or volunteers in your organizations or players on the teams that you coach. No, to be a really good leader, to be somebody who doesn't just meet goals or win games or finish tasks, but to be someone who truly changes lives, your focus first and foremost has to be on God. That's what we see when we're told here that Joshua had them present themselves before God. Before he said a word, they were all reminded that what mattered most was not how other people saw them. It was not how they even saw themselves. What mattered most was how they appeared in God's eyes. Imagine if we started there. Imagine if we started there in our homes. Imagine if we started there as a church. Not what do we want, what are we trying to get done. How does God see us? Where do we stand in his eyes? And then Joshua shows us that when that is your starting point, you don't then just launch off into spouting personal opinions. The first words out of Joshua's mouth were, thus says the Lord. And I have ruled that if you're going to be a good leader, that has to be your starting point too. Certainly if you're a leader in the church, but not just in the church. Because some of the people gathered there were the elders. That means the leaders of the family. Some of the people that were gathered there were leaders in their community, were leaders for the nation. If you have got any influence entrusted to you from God at all, your starting point always has to be knowing what God says. What does God say is right and wrong? What is it that God is trying to promote in this world, and how can you use the influence he's entrusted to you to help get that done? Because that's what's going to be better for everyone. And what did God say? Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, not quite, but it was actually close, long ago, your fathers. Isn't that interesting? He started by reminding them of where they came from. And not just geographically in terms of the space on the map, he was talking about where they came from in terms of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But not just because that's their family tree, that's who they were biologically descended from. He was talking about them because of the legacy of faith that those men had left. Those were men who knew God. And while they were imperfect, they and we know lots of stories about them that make us cringe. They were ultimately loyal to God. And Israel was there that day in that land because of promises that God had first made to those guys. Sometimes we forget that in life. We only focus on ourselves, what we need, what we want in this moment, but we are all here as part of a bigger story. The lives that we live today, the faith that we hold dear today, 
is the result of someone else's boldness. Somebody else's sacrifice. And that's now been entrusted to us. We are stewards of that thing. We're here today because God brought us here. In Israel's story, God worked through people like Moses and Aaron, but he was the one that sent those plagues on the land of Egypt. He was the one that parted the Red Sea. It was God that had made Israel able to overcome those hostile forces, those mighty armies. I gave into your hand, God said. I gave a land on which you had not labored in cities, that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. See, sometimes as people, our temptation is to think we earned, or better yet, deserve the good things that we have in our lives. And if anyone else gets the credit, or in some cases the blame, it's usually whoever is in charge. Imagine what Israel might have been like if they talked about their leaders the way we talk about our presidents today, or the leaders of our companies today, or the coaches of our teams today. Oh, Joshua was so much better than that last guy was. You know, back then when that last guy was in charge, we lived in tents. We had eaten manna every day. Or, oh, I sure miss Moses. You know, when Moses was in charge, we got to just walk outside and bread fell from heaven. It's right there for us to eat. Joshua hasn't ever made bread fall from heaven. I sure do miss Moses. But that's, that's the wrong perspective. It's not about earning. It's not about deserving. And we don't need to compare anyone to anybody. We just need to remember where we've come from and that it was God that ultimately brought us here. And he does that through all different people, each with their own strengths and weaknesses. He does that through all different sorts of circumstances that we'll be faced with, but it was always God all along. It was his provision and his protection. It was his purpose and his promise that brings us to today, and he's not done. As Joshua addressed Israel, they found themselves in a good time, a time of joy, peace, and abundance, and it was in that time that now Joshua had to say goodbye. But the people, they still had a choice to make. Because in Joshua chapter 24, Verses 14 through 18, he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. 
out of the house of slavery. And he did those great signs in our sights and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. God had done so much to bring Israel to that moment. He has done so much to bring us to this moment. But they nor we get to now rest on our laurels. Now, today, we have to choose to serve the Lord. Now, let's be honest, maybe that sounds a little obvious. After all, Joshua was talking to God's chosen people of Israel in the promised land. I'm discussing the Bible in a church building on a Sunday. Uh, yeah, we choose to serve the Lord. Got it. But that's the thing. We can't just sing it. He wants us to serve with fear. That's reverent respect. That's true devotion. God's not just somebody that we ask for stuff from. He's not just somebody where we can show up to church whenever it suits us, but we don't think much about Him otherwise. No, if we truly choose to serve, then we must do so with sincerity. We must do so with faithfulness. And not just once. This isn't a choice that you make once when you repent and are baptized in Jesus' name. This is a choice that you make each and every day. It's a choice that you make on the good days when everything is just going great. It's a choice that you make on the bad days when it's hard and it feels like it's all going wrong. Whether you're healthy or you're sick, whether you're right in the midst of hard work or in a season where you finally get to rest, whether you are younger or whether you are older, each day we've got to be setting priorities. We've got to be taking actions that love God as a verb, an action word. We've got to get up each day and choose to walk in his ways, to keep his commands. We've got to live for his will. Otherwise, we have an idol. Now, for Israel, that could have been the idols of their ancestors back in Mesopotamia. It could have been the idols of the Canaanites that God had just defeated. A people that had polluted that land with all sorts of sexual depravity, even with something as atrocious as child sacrifice. Now for us, it probably looks more like the idol of money or the idol of power or popularity, maybe the idol of acceptance. We can serve the God of entertainment where we focus on what we think is fun on what we want to do, what makes us happy, regardless of how God feels about it. Now, we don't tend to worship statues today, but let there be no doubt, we are a culture that worships sex. We are a culture that very much sacrifices our children. We don't always realize it, but that is the choice that we're making. 
When we set our priorities for how we're going to spend our time or our money, when we make our choices about what our kids will be allowed to watch, when we decide whether or not we have enough time to read scripture and pray together as a family, we are choosing in those moments whether or not we will serve the Lord. We all see what God's done. We've seen it in scripture. We've seen it in our lives. We want to serve him, don't we? So we need to be challenged. We need to be given examples. Joshua gave Israel an example when he said, y'all got to choose, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's another instance of Joshua's good leadership. You want to take your cues from someone who serves the Lord. You want to have as a role model and influence in your life someone who has a track record of serving the Lord and helping other people come to serve the Lord too. Maybe that's an elder or a deacon or a preacher in a church. It could be a business mentor or a coach or a counselor. But you want someone that is following God, that is serving God, that you look to. And then you're able to follow their example. Now, it's tempting for us to stop there. We read this passage. I say, choose you this day whom you'll serve, church. And you reply, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So we sing a song and we all go get some lunch. But we're not done yet. Because in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He'll not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he'll turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and to the large stone and set it up there under the terrace that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Now let me say at the top, God is absolutely love. He's also absolutely holy. And just like your spouse, if you're married, doesn't want 
to share you, he won't share you either. So we can't just say we love him. We can't just say we choose him. We have to mean it. Good intentions aren't enough. We all need to know that today. Because sometimes choosing God in everyday life is difficult. Sometimes it means you have to sacrifice. Sometimes it means you have to reprioritize. Just like when you get married, it's no longer just about what you want. You have to put your spouse first. God already did that for us. When he, through that people of Israel, sent us Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins, to open up a way for us to be in a relationship with him. So now if we're really going to do this, if we are really going to choose God, our lives have to change. There are some things that we need to remember if we're going to have a loving healthy relationship with God. So we better set up some reminders for ourselves. We need to incline our hearts toward God. We're not going to have a very healthy relationship if we only try to do the minimum necessary. We have to truly want to please Him. We have to truly want to be close to Him. As Joshua said goodbye, that was the choice that he presented Israel. That day, they chose the Lord. They chose the Lord for the next several days, weeks, months. Then Joshua died. And they still chose the Lord for a while after that. Then the generation of leaders who grew up with Joshua died. And then, all of a sudden, a series of little compromises that had been happening all along. Things that didn't seem like a very big deal at the time. It caught up with It accumulated until there arose another generation who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. And instead of blessing and life, Terrible pain and death followed. And not just back then. That's a story that plays out over and over in Scripture, in individual lives today, in families today, in the history of all nations today. What's the old saying? Those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. Our choices matter. So at this moment, in our congregation's history, as heirs together of a rich legacy of faith, as a people of God enjoying a time of joy, peace, Abundance. As we stand on the precipice of transition 
and change as I approach my time to say goodbye. I challenge you. Choose this day whom you will serve. In the days ahead, you're going to be setting some priorities. You're going to be making some decisions individually, as families, as a congregation. You can focus on yourself. You can think and act and feel just like anybody else in the world. Or you can fear the Lord. You can serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Because no matter what we say each day, will choose. As for me and my house, we will serve.